Hello and welcome to Obsession, where we get horribly obsessed, highly obsessed, <laughs> hilariously obsessed with things that other people might find odd. Nothing is too obscure, too creepy or too weird for us to research obsessively. I'm Heidi. And I'm Rebecca. Join us in being obsessed. <laughs> hello, obsessives. And hello, Hi. Becky. Hello. How are you doing, Heidi? I'm doing really well. Yeah? You hanging in there? Yeah. You know, apart from the fact that I hardly ever talk anymore. <gasps> oh, you too. Yes. If you lost the art of communication. Yes. I just sort of been so used to sitting in my own head. Yeah. That I actually find it really difficult to to have that lovely pace of conversing with somebody. Yes. It's and so I have hard. To, I have to confess to you that I actually really struggled with last week's podcast because um, of that inability to communicate. Yes, I was I like, oh my gosh, stupid. this is my voice. Oh, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard my voice in so long. Oh no, for me it was the whole, oh hang on, I've got to talk now. It's not a one-way me listening to the television thing. I actually have to contribute as well. And what's more, I have to contribute with some level of intelligence and cohesion, <laughs> which I've been struggling with. So fingers, so guys, listen, if if we're stilted and if we're struggling for conversation, we've just got into quarantine brain. So forgive us. Yeah, yeah, but do you know what? There's so much interesting stuff happening here with um, the life of the Garfia that I know. I don't think we'll have any problem. I don't think we will either. So uh, last week uh, we left you in the very sad situation where most of the family had died and mm. only the father and youngest daughter remained. Yeah. So let's continue. Please. Well, Agafia and Carp were all that were left of their family. The geologists tried to help them as much as the Lykovs would allow them to, but still the help they would allow was with crops or with the complete rebuilding of their tiny hovel. Occasionally, they would accept supplies, but always they refused to leave their secluded spot, even when Agafia discovered that a tumour was growing from her right breast. Oh. Seven years after, three children, after the three children had died, Carp too passed away. Agafia was left alone. One of the geologists, Eurofei, mm. abandoned his family and stayed in a hut close to Agafia. So this man, Eurofei, was leaving behind two families. Oh, was it two families, was it? Two families. He had two marriages. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, two, <laughs> two families that he didn't really want to have much to do with. Mm. He'd lost his job 
We don't really know why. And Mm. he had decided to live in this area next door to Agafia. Yeah, I have questions. Yeah, I have questions. questions. (laughs) Look, he did so on the pretext of helping to look after her. Mm. But he never actually looked after her, did he? No, no. she ended up looking after him. Yes, it was, it was always the other way around. Now, Eurofe uh, also had other motives. Now, he converted to her religion. He did. And he tried to convince her frequently to live with him as his wife. Yeah. Now, Agafia was not interested in being his wife. She wasn't interested in being anybody's wife. She wanted to live a life of chastity and prayer in the wilderness. Now, he he denies this, of course, but Mm. Agafia has often claimed that her friend and neighbour um, made frequent, how can we call this? I mean, to put it nicely, um, seduction attempts. Mm. It sounded to me more like assaults. Yeah, same. Yes. and same. Um, A I lot be- of emotional I- blackmail. Yeah. I do believe... Um, that he assaulted her more than once, one of these Mm. times when she was sick in bed. Yeah. And he often claimed that if she did not live with him as his wife, that he would contact the outside world and they would send helicopters to come and get her. And she was absolutely terrified. She wasn't worldly enough to take what he said with a grain of salt and he used to say terrifying things to her like I'll find you even if you crawl into the stove so he was being a predator he was he was and bear in mind that he is being a predator 250 kilometers away from any kind of other human uh, beings Mm. it is just her and him uh on a hill basically um if with often with um, women who are abused or in abusive relationships, they perpetually try to placate and find uh, ways around uh, their abuser. I'm afraid I got a slight sense of that with um, Agafia and Eurofry. I, I feel like she um, was sort of stuck with him and had a certain bitterness always towards him but also a kind of acceptance of that was her situation sort of stuck with him does that make it, sense it at all? totally makes sense i mean yeah in in the media it's always made out to be this friendship and you know yeah uh, he yeah. moved mm. there so that she didn't have to be all yeah. by herself i get yeah. the feeling that she tolerates him I think she would have been probably a lot happier without a neighbour, to be honest. So do I. So do I. So um, I feel very much 
he is consistently playing power games with her, with her vulnerability. Look, it's a very, very dysfunctional relationship. And, and by yeah. relationship, I, of course, don't mean a romantic relationship. Interaction. An interaction. You know, there is this... Um, Oh, look, I, I mean, I suppose we can call it a friendship of sorts in that she is a friend to him. She helps him out. She does everything for him. She provides yeah. him platonic companionship. And she doesn't get a lot back in return, I don't think. No, I don't either. And I think there I, is I fear there. There is definitely fear. She is stuck on a hill with a predator, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it makes me wonder. um, So he was one of the original geologists who discovered them. um, And he actually did an awful... This is something that really bothers me. And and in writing the podcast, we tried to stay away from it. I don't know how successful we were. But a lot of the um, uh, accounts were written by him, especially of her. And you can actually, in the accounts written by him, you can see that he has a slight obsession with Agafia as a younger woman. And maybe understandably so, she's incredibly... um, uh, articulate and interesting woman with you know with with a vulnerability which some men who are inclined to not being so nice actually find appealing yeah um so we, we tried to stay away from his narrative about her and, and explore her ourselves well but it's clearly clear from those early writings yeah. i think that he had a fascination and a desire for her and I think him returning to the to the hill and being with her after her father died and when he was alone was not a noble act entirely. It might have been in his own head, but um, it, it was about him continuing that obsession with her. Oh, it was very, very self-serving. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and something that I find really, really interesting is that he... Um, look, I'm I'm going to say he made up a story about um, Agafia's father, Carp. Yeah, you're going to tell the story? Yes. Um, Euphray, um has spoken to the media and to, to documentary makers and he has claimed that Carp would molest both of his daughters and that he lived with them like husband and wives. Now, um, Agafia has vehemently denied that, and that's actually caused quite a lot of friction in their relationship. She deeply resents this rumour that he started that's now kind of being taken as fact and she said no her father was an extremely good man he did everything he could to protect her and um this idea that he was sleeping with his daughters is is disgusting to her well when as you know as we discussed earlier i mean at one point i just took that as a a fact Mm. and thinking about it overnight uh, I changed my mind on that. Thinking about someone like Brett yeah. Kavanagh, um, who states, well, look, obviously she's been molested, you know, 
this this poor victim, but it wasn't me. It must have yes. been someone else. I get the same sense yes. in this one that it's kind of like pushing the sin away from himself yes. that she has been violated. And this is one of the saddest things. And and as we go through tonight's podcast, and we've kind of gone a little bit out of order, but it's so yeah. interesting. We can't help it. <laughs> um, but suddenly when, when her father, perhaps protector, died, we see a great big shift in Agafia's isolated yes. life where a lot of men are intruding on that solitude yeah. as yeah. happened. Um, I, I think that if the father sent the sons to live in another hut for fear of incest, uh, that in, I don't know how you feel about this, Heidi, but that in my mind makes me think it's less likely that he was. I don't well, know. I mean, it could go both ways. I mean, it could be that he was extremely yeah. protective. It could be that yep. he wanted them to himself if we're going to, to turn yes. it into something sinister. But do you know okay. what? When it comes to the claims of um, Agafia and Euphrae, I tend to say... Who do we believe? <laughs> yeah, okay, no, that's you know what? That simplifies it, doesn't it? We don't even need to go to this great big intellectual yeah. mastication yeah. over it. Agafia said that didn't happen. I believe Agafia. Yeah. Agafia is a very honest, pious woman. I cannot see her lying. And she's been quite honest about a lot of the sexual um, uh, interferences that yeah. happened to her. Yeah. I can't imagine her no. hiding that one. I think she would have probably said. No, definitely not. So, among the many things that happened to her after her father died is that um, she was convinced to leave the mountain very, very briefly to enter an extreme orthodox nunnery. Mm-hmm. Um, they did uh, put her in contact with other old believers, mm. but they found that their beliefs, because um, Agafia had had such an isolated um, individualistic approach to her own religion that she didn't quite fit in with the old believers no. either. That was very short-lived and that was the only uh, length of time that she has spent off out of her, you know, um, isolation. I always like to think about her leaving for the nunnery and imagine how she felt you know, going up in the air in the, in the helicopter mm. and looking down at it. I think she would have been very, very curious. Agafia was always curious and quite relaxed in that curiosity. Like, I don't know about you, but my own curiosity is a bit mm. fear-based. But she, I, I don't know. I think she embraced it. Um, she was always keen to be in a position to observe all that modernity had to show her, but never wanted to actually be part of it. She was very unhappy at the nunnery. Um, although she did get a chance to get properly baptised and then, of course, she got asked to be taken back to her hut. There was only one other time when she was to leave and that was for a brief visit to a hospital after an injury to her leg, which um, she hated. And she said that she couldn't breathe in the city and it wasn't a big major city, but she couldn't breathe in the township. She, she didn't like it. She thought the cars were noisy. She just wants to be back in her isolation again. So knowing that she needed the help of another person, she explored the possibility of marriage mm. with another old believer that Eurofrey, the neighbour, had invited to the area. 
So he made the difficult journey to her hut to meet her. But <laughs> but Agafia was unimpressed. And rightly yes. so, I think. He wasn't a very nice man. No, so he, he harassed and pursued her and horribly enough, he eventually raped her. Yeah, and Agafia speaks of being so devastated by this experience that she even considered drowning herself in the river. And considering that she's such a pious woman, the idea of suicide, I mean, she must have been so yeah, severely yeah. traumatised. And and when you hear her talk about it, you see her <gasps> rock and yes. you see her distress. My heart yes. broke. Even all these years later, she's still in so much pain. Yeah, she is. So three men came to take him away and Agafia believed they were taking him to prison, although I very much doubt that. No, I doubt it. So now it was just Agafia and her neighbour, Erafe. Now, Erafe at this time had experienced frostbite and his leg was slowly rotting away and needed to be amputated. She found that in her declining years, she had to take care not only of herself, but of him as well. See, isn't this story just so familiar with all the, the podcast subjects that we do? At some point, there is a woman with a man sort of intruding into, sorry, I'm going to be a bit man-hating here. That's like, okay. You know, I do this. <laughs> but a man's come into her life, I'm your rescuer, but actually becomes a burden, brings a rapist into her fold, um, sexually assaults her himself, you know. And this is why when we, we don't want to read these fairy tales to our daughters anymore about the prince coming yeah. to the rescue because really, truly, it is Agafa, um, it is Agafia who is quite okay in her solitude, is quite capable in her solitude, is quite um, short of herself and her own beliefs and what she needs for herself in her solitude. But a whole, there is Eifrae and, and a potential suitor, you know, interfering and, and just making things harder for her. And what really amazes me is that even with these experiences, She's still so forgiving and, and yeah. also so loving in her attitude towards humanity as a whole. She doesn't want yeah. to be part of humanity. But not, not from, from a hateful, from a hateful point, point of view. Of view. Or, or a... And, and no. she does have a lot of very, very good men come to visit her, um, you know, sociologists and... Um, and park rangers and documentary filmmakers, and she always welcomes them. And she doesn't <laughs> seem to have any fear of them. So, no, so she, she, she has she embraced the overall good in humanity and the overall good in men in particular, I believe. Absolutely, absolutely. And she taps into that a little bit too. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of a running joke 
you know, before you visit her to know that she's going to very sweetly sort of say, oh, I used to always, you know, do this particular task, but I yeah. can't do it anymore. If only there was a helper who could yeah. help me. And anyone who goes up there is sort of aware that when they go up there, they're going to be paying a sort of um, a, a kindly blackmailed tithe yeah. of doing a little task for her here or there, which I think yeah, is adorable. Yeah, she's... So she does see the best in people. She, she really does. does. And for somebody who lives such an isolated life, her communication skills are unbelievable. Oh, I mean, yeah. And how much problems we're experiencing. (laughs) Living in isolation for like a bit over a month and and we're just And we're having having trouble trouble talking. talking. (laughs) Oh dear. She is a remarkable woman. She She really really is. is. Oh dear. So as mentioned. There are some visitors and every year or so a documentary crew will turn up to visit with her and she would always ask them to bring gifts in exchange for filming her. So over time they have brought her animals, seeds and all kinds of interesting supplies. But no matter what they brought her, it was imperative that they took off the barcode because she believes barcodes to be the work of the devil. This amazed me because... You know, you hear a lot of talk about barcodes and about um, microchipping and the mark of the beast. And, and yes. that seems to be such um, a part of modern day conspiracy theories. Yes. It was just really, it was kind of jarring to me to hear her speak about this, to hear her speaking about microchipping and, and, how everybody is going to be barcoded and that's how we know that that you know satan has taken over and it, it was like something out of a reddit forum <laughs> yeah and that, and that, yes absolutely and and that's not the first time that the family has done this like for example um i mean they missed out completely on world war yes. ii that they were astonished to discover that it even happened at all they, they missed that completely but um the father had carp he had actually noticed that some of the stars were a little bit different and travelled differently. And he actually sort of said to his family, oh, look, they've, the humans have figured out a way of putting some kind of fire in the sky. So he sort of recognised what satellites were in his own way. So I always find it very, very interesting that they have um, uh, impressions of the world. Well... That they have come to themselves, which is extraordinary. Well, there there are actually bits of rocket debris um, mm. on the ground around her home because there were rocket launches and yeah. that would go over Siberia, and and there are, you know, she's she's there in the wilderness, and there's a huge clump of metal that's fallen from a rocket. There is yeah. the snow, and and she just uses it as kind of like a scarecrow to scare the bears away. <laughs> and that was just amazing to me, you know. A Soviet the wilderness, uh, this kind of um, you know very very primitive lifestyle. Then a bit of rocket debris, just there <laughs> in the front yard. It's incredible. Yeah, but um, when when oh, the geologists yeah. first visited, they did try to explain the moon landing. 
Yeah. And the father absolutely would not have a bar of the moon landing, no. but he did like the idea of satellites. Yeah, yeah, because because he'd already um, witnessed yeah. that for himself, but only not knowing what yeah. it was. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, I loved that. Absolutely <laughs> fascinating. I do love this family. I, I, I do want to sit and have a conversation with Agafia oh. more than anything. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, she would have you, she would have you, you know, digging up potatoes and she'd have yeah. you up on the roof clearing the snow out of yeah. the gutters, but, but you'd yeah. have a great time with her. Well, I'm willing to go hipster for a couple of yeah. days and, and work a little bit at self-sufficiency before coming back to my own explorations on the Reddit forums and, and the internet and comfortable beds yeah. and electricity, <laughs> only for a very short period of well, time. Well, she is completely alone now. She is completely alone yeah. because Ira Frey passed yeah. away and she buried him herself. Mm -hmm. um, and so another one. And she's now completely alone on that mountain, which is where she wrote the letter to the Siberian newspaper editor asking for help. Yeah. And, that, and apparently she's still waiting for help. Yes, yes. And and it was really interesting. Um, in some of the footage, she was saying, I'd like to have a strong man to help me or if they can't find a strong man, a woman who can sit in the hut and pray all day because she prays while she does her work. And that's very important to her. Yeah. The prayers have to be constantly said during work. And so the idea is if there is a woman that they can send over, then the no. woman can do the praying while she, well, does, she the, does the farm work. No, yes. I didn't catch that yes. bit, Heidi. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, well, well. 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 Well, well, yeah. well. So Agafia, the last contact anyone's had with Agafia was back in March, yeah. I believe. Yeah, so so let's hope uh, that uh, she was safe from any COVID-19 contact. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and who knows, maybe she has fallen, you know, to her permanent sleep in that time or maybe she's sitting there right now praying and weaving and cooking potato cakes and wondering when a helper will come and help her. And, and you know what? She's probably completely oblivious to global pandemic. To all of I this. Mean, I know, like, I know that thought keeps I crossing know. my mind just as she sort of missed out on World War Two yes. completely. Maybe, hopefully, she's missed out on everything to do with... Um, you know that this this global pandemic. I hope she lives long enough to for some one of us to visit her and tell her about it because I think she would find it fascinating, and I want to know her point of view on it. <laughs> Look, I think that she would feel um, just. I, I I feel that I think she would be validated in her decision to be so far out of the wilderness. <laughs> She'd be like, "Yes, you see, this is a good way to live." See, see. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> and that's the thing. And every time I hear someone over the last two weeks complaining about, well, since recording the first podcast, complaining about quarantine, I'm there going, uh, 
a Garfield would just be sitting there shaking her head yeah. at you thinking, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. You don't know the meaning of isolation. Yeah. But, yeah. Hey, so this may shock you, Heidi, but the entire time I watched any of the documentaries on her or any of the, you know, the small clips, I kept looking for the 17th century um, Bible because this book is so beautiful. I'm it's a bookbinder, by the way. And, um, isn't so, it? Oh, my God. I want to get my hands on that book. So maybe I will agree to be the person inside praying and I'll just sit there admiring this beautiful 17th century book. Well, I mean, I was looking um, at all of the shots of her, of her hut and you could see um, – little relics from like even even the 1930s i think there was like a 1930s bakelite bakelite clock mm. and it's like oh that would have been extremely modern when they yes. left that's probably yes. the most modern thing apart from it's... apart from the um the radio um telegraph thing that um the geologists left with them yeah, but that's an air, air, air phrase hut down the down the way. Yes, it is. So she's got to walk down to that. So she's still now. separate from that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also in the footage, I saw her writing with you know a, a big pen. Yes, and that was hilarious. It was like this this plastic big pen, and it was like, oh wow, that's really out of place. A, a little plastic pen yeah. while all around her she's surrounded by you know um centuries old iconography russian yeah. christian or iconography it is astonishing you really if you um have not heard of agafia like me and heidi hadn't before this past two weeks really suggest you jump on youtube and and see this woman and listen to her she really is so very charming and in a way inspiring Yes, I I loved her. Um, I want her skincare routine, which I I believe is probably Siberian snow. I don't. I don't. Think you want, I don't think you want her skincare routine because she's absolutely gorgeous. She really, you know, really I is. was I was expecting, you know, when I was reading about her before I saw any footage of her, I had this idea in my head of this kind of gnarled tree trunk of a woman and she's oh did you youthful yeah oh. she's got this youthful glowing face yep she's absolutely the most, beautiful the most unique beautiful smile and it's a oh. smile of sort of self-knowledge and amusement at the world yeah. around her and yeah. her own her own um observations of it yeah and i'm so glad that you introduced me to agafia yeah I'm so glad I, I stumbled upon it. I have enjoyed uh, learning about her hugely. Yeah. So let's go back into our isolation. Yes. This time, well, our kind of isolation. <laughs> kind of isolation. With our comfortable Netflix yeah. and lots of food in the pantry, refrigeration, yeah. cooking equipment, modern pots. Not having to go out and hunt. Okay, Heidi, well, back to our quarantine, isolation, sitting, watching Netflix <laughs> time. You and, take good care. And you too. And, guys, if you could subscribe to our channel and also leave a review if you can. 
and you can follow us on Facebook. And if you feel really particularly communicative, you can send us an email at selkie and the anchoress at gmail.com. See you later, guys. See ya.